Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. This is Mike Adams sitting in today for Mike Pearson. We need to talk to our production department and see about getting a, some kind of a new intro for the days I fill in, saying, here's the old guy back, or something like that. But it's good to be back with you, and uh, I'll be in for Mike today and again on Wednesday. Good to talk with you again. It's been a while, and we look forward to uh, having a good conversation with several guests today. You know, I, I've been a while since I've uh, done this show, so I've I've become in my retirement uh, more of a consumer of the general media, the the news going on across the country, which a lot of it is not good. And I tell you what, I miss the ag world and just focusing on that because the the national media, the the mainstream media, or the even some of the social media, if you wish to call it. Uh, the way they handle things anymore, it, it's really sad. It's what is what has happened there. And we got so many important issues and it's hard to get the facts and it's hard to get to what's really happening. It's so much opinion and uh, pushing a particular position. So it's nice to be back in the ag world and focus on issues and get good information out. And that's what we're going to do today. Our lineup includes John Baranek with DTM. We're going to talk weather across not only this country, but in uh, South America and in Europe. We're going to talk with the president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Todd Wilkinson. We're going to talk about some of the uh, challenges he sees facing the uh, the cattle industry and especially well some of the issues being worked on in Washington DC right now and Matt Bennett will join us with agmarket.net rough week last week with the markets we'll see uh, what he thinks is going to be coming up this week and into the future but we're going to start things off with Mike Steenhook the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition Mike good to talk with you again how are you I am doing fine Mike it's good to visit with you you know, I was thinking about some of our visits, and we talked so much about over the years about the need to upgrade, modernize our lock and dam system. And then we got the, the infrastructure bill passed, and we talked about how long would it take for that money to actually get into these projects. Well, we're starting to see some things happen. And I know you were recently at a, a ceremony at the Lock and Dam 25 in Winfield, Missouri. Tell us about that. Yeah, it, it's, it's good to have you know, these kind of moments where, you know, for years, agriculture, the barge and towing industry have been, and other stakeholders have been advocating for increased investment in some of these locks and dams and expanding their capacity. And, you know, a lot of times those aspirations have not resulted in outcomes. And it, it's exciting to actually see an outcome uh, with a groundbreaking for a, a new construction project uh, on the Mississippi River. This is one of those lock and dam sites where, you know, pretty much any barge full of soybeans or corn or any other you know, commodity that's loaded in a state like Missouri or Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota is eventually going to go through Lock and M25 because that's one of the key, one of the key links to get down to the New Orleans area. Um, having activating that expansion project, it's going to result in a in a second lock um, that will be longer so that you can have greater efficiency of moving these barges, barge flotillas through 
uh, that particular facility. So it's it's a very expansive project, $732 million. Uh, Congress appropriated, uh, the president signed uh, for that. But it's it's good to actually see work commence. It's going to take about you know, a little over 10 years for it to be completed because so, it is a pretty complex endeavor. But nonetheless, uh, good to see some actual work starting. Yeah, it takes a while to get those things done, uh, Once even once they're started. So what happens in the meantime while they're working on it? Does that is it a delay there, a backup, or can they work around it? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way would be to shut the whole site down to build a, a coffer dam, pump the water out, and then just being able to to do all of this work, what's called in the dry. Uh, that's the most efficient way of doing it. But the problem with that is you would shut the river down. And so you obviously don't want to do that. So they're going to build this new lock chamber um, without pumping out the water so it's called in the wet methodology where which is more takes longer it's more expensive it's more complex but then you're still allowing barge transportation to occur because it is a real key maritime highway for agriculture particularly during the fall when we have uh, when we're feeding our export market and then also in the spring during with with fertilizer shipments northbound so we want to keep the river open but then do this major uh, construction project, so it is quite complex, and you know, hence one of the reasons why it is quite expensive, and it's going to take a, a a decent period of time to complete. We're talking with Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Mike, any other projects uh, that will be getting underway soon in our locks and dams? Yeah, well, there's there's on the Illinois River, they're actually doing some major rehabilitations of some of the, the locks where it's going to be, you know, they're going to close it during this time of the year with the goal of having them open prior to harvest, um, doing a number of them all at the same time, which is, which is really important. That's more of an efficient way of doing it. So it, it really is kind of the underscores the importance that, you know, if you, if you do a lot of, if you have, a lead time for planning, if you've got predictable funding, you can actually get work done more efficiently. And so that's something that we're, we're hoping to see occur this year. There were a number of major rehabs done on the Illinois River a, number, a couple of years ago. And so this is the, the continuation of that. So, you know, a lot of good work being done. Obviously, a lot, our list of things to do on the inland waterways remains quite long, but it's still nonetheless important to see some, some tangible work getting completed and getting started. As we often said, we were so far behind in getting these things updated. And we said all along, even if you started immediately, it takes a, a while. So that just shows that we're, we're catching up from a lot of years where things didn't get done that needed to be done. Yeah, you know, we and we still struggle with this. We have, we have much more of a spending mindset in this country, less of an investing mindset. And we need to get back more of that investment mindset instead of just spending money today for immediate gratitude and benefit. We need to have more of that investment mentality. All right. So as we look ahead to this fall, how do we feel about how the system will be able to handle this year's harvest? Yeah, I, I think we're in a, in a good position. Obviously, you know, last year it, it wasn't so much the infrastructure itself. I mean, the infrastructure actually performed quite well. It was having low water conditions. You know, Mother Nature threw a, a curveball at us. And, 
and then recently we've had high water on the upper Mississippi River. So, you know, it's, you know, the river is all, is, has some variability. It clearly does. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, keeping the system maintained, um, you know, preventative maintenance is really key. And so there's always, you know, room for improvement there. But, but I think overall, they've done a really, really good job. And so we're hopeful for that to continue. Good to hear we're making some progress finally. Mike, good to talk with you again. Thank you. Good to visit with you, Mike. Thanks. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Stay with us. Up next, we talk weather with John Baranek with DTN right here on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. It's the most important race of the year. The one where winning is everything. Where the decisions you make now can and will define your entire season. The yields you're dreaming of are either won here or lost here. This is Corn Sprint 2023. You win it with Biopath, a biological fertilizer complement from the Mosaic Company. Specially formulated to make nutrients more available during the most critical uptake periods and strengthen root systems for better absorption. It's the kind of edge that gets your crops all the way to the finish line with greater yield potential, greater return on your fertilizer investment, and... Just plain old greatness. So win the corn sprint. Include Biopath in your early season fertilizer application. Contact your local retailer or visit cornsprint.com. The archaeological record suggests that wheat was first cultivated in the regions of the Fertile Crescent, also known as the Cradle of Civilization, around 9600 BC. The Roman goddess Ceres, who was deemed protector of the grain, gave grains their common name today, cereal. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three-quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. The first bagel rolled into the world in 1683 when a baker from Vienna, Austria, was thankful to the king of Poland for saving Austria from Turkish invaders, the baker reshaped the local bread so that it resembled the king's stirrup. The new bread was called bugel, derived from the German word for stirrup. Ancient traditional tortillas were made from ground corn by Mexican natives as long as 2,000 years ago. However, flour tortillas only started to become popular in the 19th century. More types of foods are made with wheat than with any other cereal grain. These farm facts brought to you by the American Egg Network. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. 
For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Actually, Mike Adams sitting in today for Mike Pearson. Mike will be back. Mike Pearson will be back with you tomorrow. I'll be back again on on Wednesday. Good to be back with you as we uh, talk weather now with John Baranek with DTN. John, good to talk with you again. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, Mike. How's your retirement been going? Doing good, doing good. But nice to get back and uh, you know catch up with some folks like you and uh, talk some of the things that are going on and. Uh, Weather is always going on. We always have issues and challenges and concerns and questions. And uh, so I want to get right into it. I, I, I know in recent days, uh, a lot of the dry areas have got some much needed rain. That's helped, but there's still some dry areas out there, aren't there? Oh, there sure are. I mean, that drought has just been out there in the plains for, you know, a couple of years now. And so it's going to take a lot of rain to kind of alleviate that. But uh, we've had, you know, a good couple of weeks here um you know it hasn't been everywhere parts of like eastern nebraska haven't really gotten to it as much as some of some of the other areas but you know we've had uh some pretty decent rainfall here across the plains and seen drought really being reduced um it's now the lowest amount of drought we've seen here in the in the lower 48 since uh june of 2020 so it's been about three years since we've had such little drought across the country uh we're going to continue to see rainfall here this week too uh just about every day here daily rain showers, thunderstorms moving throughout the plains, uh, especially later this week, we should get some better coverage, uh, really north to south from North Dakota all the way down to Texas. Well, we know there really been some tough areas. I was watching the results come in on that Kansas wheat tour and uh, seeing the uh, the tough conditions that the, those folks are dealing with there. And as you mentioned, eastern Nebraska is still dry. So um, what is the what is the controlling system that we have right now uh, for our weather pattern? Yeah, really, we don't have one, which is kind of kind of wild. Uh, we're getting kind of into into more of a, a a ridge pattern that's setting up across Canada, and that's going to be kind of our player for the week here. Um, and uh, as that happens, um, we get this sort of minor trough or just weakness in the ridge across the west coast, and it's enough to bring in a little bits of energy. Uh, throughout the western states and into the plains as well. And that's why we're going to get these daily showers and thunderstorms all week long. Um, But, uh, you know, over the the eastern half of the country, though, uh, it's actually going to be pretty dry. So we're not going to see much in terms of uh, precipitation really um, east of the plains, and especially east of the Mississippi River, except for the southeast. Now, we had a front that went through over the weekend and kind of stalled off the coast. Um, and that'll produce some showers down there. But outside of that, uh, we're going to be pretty dry here in the eastern half of the country. Well, I'm here in uh, central Illinois, and we've had some good rains recently, but now it could use some some warmer weather and really get things growing, and it looks like we're going to get that this week. Yeah, temperatures are going to be quite nice. Um, you know, there's no real big trough or cool Canadian air moving in, so overall, uh, temperatures should be a lot of 70s and 80s across the country. Um, you know, where those showers occur, it'll be a little bit on the cooler side. We'll continue to see that there across Texas. It won't be so hot. We won't see a whole lot of 90s going on. Um, so that's also a good thing. We don't have a whole lot of stress 
for anybody either. So, you know, nice warm conditions. If you still got some planting or replanting to do, um, you know, the conditions out there are actually pretty darn good this week. Talking with DTN meteorologist John Baranek. What about that northern tier of states? Uh, they've uh, had some, especially in the Dakotas, they've had some challenges this spring. Uh, what's uh, their forecast look like? Yeah, they've had all sorts of challenges with whether it was too cold, you've had a uh, big snowpack to melt through, um, or wet conditions after that. I know North Dakota's been really delayed in that planting. We'll see how that, uh, how the good conditions from last week kind of shaped out on the crop progress report here this afternoon. I have a feeling that we'll, we'll see a big bump in uh, planting progress up there. Um, and for the first couple of days this week, they'll stay dry too. Um, but we'll start to see some showers tomorrow, a little bit with, with a little front kind of moving through. Uh, but we don't really see any significant shower uh, chances here until we get to late week. And we start spreading a lot more of those uh, showers through the Dakotas, through Montana. Um, and uh, those states will, will pick up on some moisture too. And I'll, there's still some drought areas up there. Uh, especially in, in western North Dakota and in eastern Montana, could use a little bit more rainfall. Um, so drier conditions early this week will, will be set by some some showers later in the week. It turns out to be pretty good up there, too. Well, you have some good news, actually, today, don't you? I do. It's kind of unusual. Usually we're talking about some spot here that's, you know, dealing with some lingering issues, just not getting hit with stuff. But, you know, this week is just kind of kind of pretty good for just about everybody. I know there's... There are some spots, right, like eastern Nebraska, we talked about that. It doesn't look like they don't really get in on the showers until maybe late week, and that's kind of a, a big maybe. And there's some some drier spots there in, you know, uh, in Iowa and Missouri and even through Illinois that, you know, wouldn't mind getting a rain this week. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard to find a really bad spot in the country right now. Well, let's switch to South America. What's uh, their weather situation? Yeah, we're still looking at their safrina corn crop in Brazil, and uh, they've been actually really dry lately, which is kind of, you know, it's not unusual. This is their dry season anyway, uh, but they always hope for, you know, at least one or two rains to come through during the, the month of May to kind of finish out that crop. Uh, they haven't gotten it so far this month, but maybe this weekend, next week, uh, we'll see a front kind of move up from Argentina into southern Brazil, produce some showers there, and then perhaps it gets into central Brazil with some showers next week. Models are kind of insistent on it, but it's really hard to do this time of year, but uh, it, it may be possible. So, you know, a little bit of late rain would, would help them out as well. Um, otherwise, the dry period, like I mentioned, is, is pretty normal. So even though it's been dry for the last few weeks, it's not something we aren't totally expecting for them. Uh, so uh, it, it hasn't really been too damaging to the, the, the prospect of, of record production down there for them for, for corn. Uh, as far as Argentina is concerned, you know, they've, they've been dealing with drought and uh, dryness and, you know, all their corn and soybeans have been made and they're, they're working on harvest. Um, they're actually going to get some good showers there this week, though. So several fronts are moving through. I mentioned the one that will go through Brazil uh, this weekend and in the next week. That one goes through Argentina earlier this week and produces plenty of, of rainfall for them. Also good for their, their wheat crops. So their, their last couple of wheat crops there in Brazil and, and Argentina have been pretty poor thanks to La Nina and some dryness and heat. Um, they'll, get, they'll get a little bit of rainfall here to help them out this week. Well, you're just spreading good news everywhere. What about Europe? <laughs> for, for, for producers, yeah. I mean, honestly, we don't have like, a whole lot of issues in Europe either. I mean, Spain has been kind of a, a hotbed of drought and dryness. But um, 
Last week, we had this upper low kind of park over the Mediterranean Sea and has been producing some showers for, for even uh, Spain out there. And those continue all week long, too. Now, they're not drought-busting showers. They're just um, you know, they're pretty light and, and isolated, honestly. So they're still having issues in Spain. But outside of Spain, I mean, most of Europe is, is sitting in, in pretty good shape. Uh, the Black Sea is sitting in pretty good shape. Uh, we, we've been having issues in China as well with some dryness out there, a little bit of concern for their wheat canola and then their early corn and soybeans. They're getting some showers this week as well. Um, it, it's really hard to find bad weather, not just here in the U.S. Canadian prairies are getting good weather, but across the world too. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually kind of remarkable. You know, every, every so often, the weather guys just shine on everybody, and, and uh, it looks like this is the week for that to happen course you know that won't last forever we'll see some uh right. some issues popping up for for, for folks uh across the world at some point here but you know this week is a, is a good week of weather across much much of the world you and i have done this many times and i i can't recall hardly ever a conversation like this where so much good weather in so many places yeah, and that, I mean, that that might be part of the reason, you know, I'm not a market analyst, so that might be a part of the reason why we've seen markets kind of take a dive. But it's hard to find a bad spot in the, in the world right now for production. Real quick, what's your summer forecast for the U.S.? For the U.S., so, you know, we're, we're getting out of La Nina, we're going into El Nino, we're kind of on the verge of that right now. That puts us kind of in a, what I call a normal summertime weather pattern. We should see showers and thunderstorms developing out in the plains, moving across. The, the Midwest, the Corn Belt, uh, at a fairly regular clip. Um, not too many hot streaks, not too many cool streaks, kind of, you know, averaging about normal. Plenty of ups and downs in there, and we will get some heat. That will happen, but those don't look like they're going to be long or sustained uh, like we've seen the last couple of years at all. So um, overall, it should be a, a pretty good uh, uh, season for, for most areas. Now, there are going to be some areas that miss out on that. That always happens during even a normal weather pattern. Uh, so uh, we'll have to watch and see where those are. Right now, it looks like eastern Nebraska and, and uh, western Iowa and northeast Kansas might be kind of that those areas that, that we're watching a little bit more closely right now. Uh, but those could develop really anywhere uh, in the Corn Belt this summer. We'll just have to keep our eyes open. All right, John, it is good to talk with you again and kind of an uplifting way to start the week with weather. Thank you very much. And thank you, Mike. Always good to talk with you. It's not Take care. Too long before I hear you again. All right. DTM meteorologist John Baranik. Up next, we're going to talk things over with the president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Lots of issues to discuss. That's next, right here on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to the monthly grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on the monthly grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. 
As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Wheat prices are lower this morning. Corn, however, is positive and soybeans are rallying today. Corn and soybean prices reached oversold territory during last week's liquidation phase. So a bounce this morning is not a big surprise. Now we got to keep in mind that farmers across the Midwest are looking for a bounce that would allow them to catch up with sales. But it's important to also remember that Brazil farmers are about to harvest a very large safrina corn crop, and that crop is only 30% sold. That's below the normal pace at this point of 45 to 50% sold. They're going to be looking for a rally to sell there as well. That's going to make it more difficult to sustain a rally without a bigger story. And there are pockets of the Midwest that continue to miss out on rains. Farmers in southeast Nebraska seem to be quite dry currently. Now, most of the Midwest has indeed seen below normal rainfall over the past 30 days, but 76% of the belt has still received at least two inches of rain, with 98% receiving at least an inch. And except for a few pockets, it hasn't been totally dry. And it looks like the El Nino weather pattern is still adjusting and is expected to be here this summer, which will turn wetter for much of the Midwest by mid-June or so, perhaps as early as the second week of June. Keep in mind, though, that the warm water episodes, the El Nino events, tend to be drier in June before the rains come in July and August. And President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are expected to meet once again today to continue negotiations over raising the debt ceiling. Today's talks come 10 days before the Treasury Department says it will start to run out of money to meet its obligations. Now, McCarthy has said that he had a productive call with Biden on Sunday morning before staffers from both sides met for two and a half hours last night to continue those talks. The VIX is trading around 17 this morning while the dollar is firming up a bit and crude oil is hovering right around unchanged. This is AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. And this is Mike Adams sitting in today for Mike Pearson. You know, one of the things uh, in retirement, as I kind of 
watch what's going on around the country and, and, and then check the ag headlines. And here we are in another farm bill uh, process, writing a new farm bill and those challenges again. I, I see the other story is a really surprised and disappointed with that Prop 12 ruling and the ongoing battles again with waters of the U.S. Uh, then I saw the story recently about the passing of former Texas Congressman Charles Stenholm. Always enjoyed talking with Charlie and, and, and getting his perspective on things. And I can't help but think, of, you know, all the farm bills he worked on and the, uh, all the issues that he worked on and his willingness. This always stood out to me. Charlie Stenholm's willingness to reach across the political aisle and, and try to have a bipartisan approach to issues. And I was just thinking how much we need that today and how much we're missing that today as we deal with the writing another farm bill, the debt uh, limit situation right now, the debt issue and the budget issue that's going on. We need that willingness uh, again, like Charles Stenholm did to reach across that aisle and work together. Well, speaking of some of those issues and some of those challenges, our next guest is certainly working on them as well. The president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association from South Dakota, Todd Wilkinson. Todd, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's great to be on. appreciate the opportunity. Well, you recently testified before the House Ag Committee Subcommittee on Livestock, Dairy, and Poultry. And I know you had a chance to uh, talk to lawmakers about some of the uh, key issues you see facing um, agriculture in general, the beef industry in particular. Let's let's get into some of those uh, particular issues. And I know you, you talked about how the cattle industry continues to face big challenges over the threat of foreign animal disease. Yeah, and, and with what's going on with poultry and in particular in pork with the Dominican Republic uh, um, having, having the, the swine issues you know it's only a matter of time and if somebody says that we haven't we haven't had an outbreak of foot and mouth disease since 1929 they're right uh but our our border is so porous uh on the south we we simply have uh we have major risk if it gets into the into the united states in in terms of what it does so when i was talking to uh the congressman out there and 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 trying to make them aware of of the necessity of getting a vaccine bank in place and you know the national animal health lab getting getting those things adequately funded and preparedness getting that adequately funded i, I think they all um they all understood the message and and i will tell you that it's refreshing to to testify in front of a of a house subcommittee where both sides of the aisle were engaged in it, in it, and they weren't bringing any preconceived uh, notions to uh, what needs to happen in the industry, and that that was refreshing. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, we've taken some big steps over the years to protect against uh, animal disease coming into this country, but in some ways, and you mentioned the border, in some ways we're more vulnerable today than we've ever been. Yeah, and and th and that's really the truth. I mean, when you look at at the uh, immigration status and the and um, the illegals coming across the border right now, we we are very much at risk. And it, and it's not it's not from a cow or a steer that's going to come across the border. It's probably going to come on the bottom of somebody's shoes, and and 
the world today with so many people um, being able to travel and, and moving about, we simply have very little that we can do to prevent that. And we got to be prepared to protect the cattle herd. We're talking with Todd Wilkinson from South Dakota, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Todd, let's talk about another key issue that you touched on, and that is uh, the, your concerns over uh, USDA's packers and stockyards rules. Yeah, I did. And this is just as utter frustration to me because we've seen the USDA periodically over the last well, 15 years or so uh, try this out of their playbook before. And they want to change the uh, harm to competition standard, which has been upheld by, I think, eight different circuits in the in the United States. And so it's it's legally tested. It's been found by the courts to be adequate. But what they want to do is change that standard. So and I'm going to equate it to an operation like mine. So if if I'm trying to improve the genetics in my operation and my son and I are investing in in our breeding herd and in our bull power and, and all of that. And because of that, we get a, little, a better premium for our product. Uh, you know, that, that's, the, that's the name of the process, right? You're always trying to make your operation a little better. But suddenly, if this new standard would come in and, and I have somebody down the road that's uh, basically keeping their cattle in a commodity basis and not doing anything to advance their herd and then is disappointed because they don't get that premium, suddenly there's there's going to be a risk that that we're going to have lawsuits uh, commenced all over because of the difference in the marketing arrangements. And all that's going to do is put us back into the 70s with a bunch of commodity cattle, and we simply can't afford to do that. We've We've developed phenomenal um, a beef herd out there that's advanced genetically for years and years. And this is going to put us back 40, 50 years if if we allow this, this uh, lawyer's um, panacea to come into place where people can sue because they didn't get the same deal their neighbor got. Well, you mentioned the beef herd. Uh, these are low numbers right now for our beef herd. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, they are low numbers. In fact, I, um, it almost dates back as old as me. I, I think we're the lowest beef herd in 61 years. Unfortunately, that came as a result of drought um, and, and just severe impact uh, to the beef herd. Um, it's It's also amazing the amount of beef that we're still producing out of those those cows but it presents a silver lining and that is uh you know the cow calf guys are are finally back in the driver's seat and are going to be able to to have uh, a number of good years where where they are able to put some money back in their pocket and improve their operations and if there's an if there's a positive to every negative it's it's positive that uh, the Packers don't have all the advantage anymore in the marketplace. Now we've got the cow-calf guys uh, enjoying uh, some leverage. There have always been challenges to the beef checkoff. Uh, they're kind of renewed again right now. Tell us what's going on as far as that's concerned. Well, so we, we have a group of... Uh, of representatives that I think have been misled by a by a bunch of animal rights activists 
uh, and have introduced what's called the OFF Act. Um, OFF should mean everybody should stay away from it, in my opinion, but that this act would effectively uh, do away with a, a number of checkoff programs, um, anywhere from uh, beef to, to Christmas trees. And, and, you know, when you have a program like the beef checkoff that has been so successful, returning almost 12 to 1 for every dollar we invest, to, to have a Cory Booker, uh, who's a, a vegan, uh, involved trying to tell us how to run our business, that, that should be an alarm in and of itself. But then when you see who's behind all of this and you see all, all of these animal rights activist groups that really don't want production, uh, uh, meat production industry to even exist, uh, that, that should wake up America, that, that we have some people out there trying to tell us how to run our business. And, and they don't have the best interests of the beef industry at mind. They have the best industry, best interest of doing away with the beef industry from their perspective. And and I I hope that some of those misguided uh, uh, congressmen are gonna are gonna wake up to that. I'm I'm surprised that we have Senator Lee and some of the others that, that have joined into that uh, that that soundbite uh, in are risking their home states. Uh, production uh, and to do away with the checkoff program. Well, speaking of people telling you how to run your business, even though the focus has been on the pork industry with Prop 12 in California and the courts upholding that, you have to be concerned about that even from the beef industry side too. Oh, very, very much. I mean, I, I sat next to, in, in, when I was testifying next to the president of the, of the pork side and, you know, we, we, we shared, um, some common viewpoints. Uh, when when you have a state like California that is going to tell us how to do uh, our jobs just simply because of some do-gooder intention out there, and that individual or individuals have no idea what's involved in in pork production or or beef production. You know, if if they want to come out to my place and they want to be there in in January and February when it's 25 below and we're bringing the, the cows and the calves inside to protect them, they can, they can then criticize my operation. But unless you've walked in our shoes, they should stay out of our business and, and leave us alone. All right. Todd Wilkinson from South Dakota, president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Todd, good to talk with you. Appreciate the update on these issues. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk markets. Hopefully, this will be a better week uh, for the markets. We're going to talk with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Get his thoughts next on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. 
because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the Foundation, foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too. Through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Welcome to the 2023 Corn Sprint. Please be silent as the runners take their marks. And looks like one plant has already pulled into an early lead because it's been enhanced with Biopath, a biological fertilizer complement from the Mosaic Company. Wait, wait, and the early favorite has crossed the finish line. Get the most out of your fertilizer investment. Don't forget to add Biopath to your early season application. Talk to your retailer about Mosaic Biologicals today or visit cornsprint.com. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Get on board. The water is open. It's time to go boating and fishing and leave stress in our wake. Feel the wind as we ride and a fish on the line. Reel in our first catch and feel the sun at our backs. It's get out on the water season. It's time to get on board. Find out where to get on board near you. Visit Take Me Fishing and Discover Boating to learn more. And please recreate responsibly. Get 
Over 2.8 million Americans have served in our military since 9-11. Many have returned home with devastating injuries and few resources for them and their families. This is news correspondent Bob Woodruff. I sustained a life-threatening injury while reporting from Iraq in 2006. The military had my back that day and they have each other's while serving. It's time we had theirs. Please join us as part of the Got Your Six initiative. To learn more, go to gotyoursix.org using the number six. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. And this is Mike Adams sitting in today for Mike Pearson. Mike Pearson will be back with you tomorrow. Then I'll actually be back with you again on Wednesday. We're joined now by a guy that travels all over the country talking markets. Uh, we're, we're lucky to get him. I mean, he just he's in such big demand. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. I ought to be your press agent, Matt. You know, build you up yeah. like that. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. I want you to talk to my wife and tell her how important I am, maybe. <laughs> that, that might be. I'd pay you money to do that. I was going to ask you, are you ever home? Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, this winter, I tried to orchestrate it to where – I was only gone one night uh, at a time, uh, you know, so I wasn't gone two nights straight. Uh, you know, just trying to not miss too much stuff with the kids. And so the other thing we did is we kind of <laughs> raised our rate a little bit. Basically, you know, uh, one of those deals where uh, I was just gone too much. And so uh, we still, you know, we were out quite a bit this winter. I think I ended up uh, um, in excess of 30 presentations there between January, February, and March. So that was pretty busy. Well, there's a lot to talk about, but that is a challenge. I mean, uh, to try to do all that and, and take care of things at home as well. So I, I applaud you yeah. for your efforts uh, in balancing that out. So w- let's talk markets. Uh, wow, what a week last week. Uh, is it going to be better this week, you think? Well, you wouldn't be saying much. You know, if you were going to say it was Almost has to be, right? <laughs> yeah, last week was just a bloodbath, obviously. You know, uh, it was interesting to see on Friday commitment traders report, you know, showed that actually funds had bought a little bit of corn, but I mean, that's as of Tuesday's close. And so uh, you look at the chart, you know, and you see what happened in both corn and beans on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I mean, it's almost straight down there. And so, uh, you know, I've got to think that this week should go a little better. Obviously, a lot of folks are starting to talk about dry conditions, you know, especially uh, Illinois and East. Um, obviously we've been really dry in the West for quite some time, but you know, a lot of people are talking about, uh, that, that we have no rain in the forecast. Uh, Mike, you know, as well as I do, this time of year is probably the best time to be dry, you know, and to be able to root down, uh, as long as you can get some rain on the, on the other side of that, that's a good thing. And, and, and so maybe a good little dry spell and a dry forecast here for the next couple of weeks might not be such a bad thing. As long as we can catch a timely rain or two, that's exactly what I would prefer for my corn crop. It's just that the market might get a little bit excited about it. I, I was looking at those pictures from the Kansas crop tour, uh, the wheat tour out there, and it, it, it was just, you know, so sad. It's whenever you see conditions like that and, and, and folks uh, having our crop really just ruined, uh, where do, but that doesn't seem to have a big impact on price overall because I guess what, of uh, supplies and worldwide situation? Why hasn't that had more impact? 
Well, I think here's the thing. One one thing about this wheat situation is that, you know, you're always six weeks away from wheat harvest somewhere in the world, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah. basically you can grow wheat anywhere. Anywhere that you've got a little bit of soil, you can be on the mountainside if you want to grow a wheat crop. But, you know, uh, the thing is, is that, uh, you're probably going to have some tightness here in the U.S., there's no doubt. We've been that way for a while. I mean, heck, you know, for years we were 50% or more stocks-to-use ratio. I mean, that was pretty much uh, what you expected to see. Now we're taking this wheat uh, stocks-to-use down in this 30% and below type range. You know, and, and that's new territory, but maybe that's just the direction that we're going to go, quite frankly. Uh, it's abnormal for wheat, uh, but at the same time, uh, it's it's uh, still significantly higher stocks to use ratios than corn and beans uh, typically enjoy. So, yeah, I think that it's a variety of things going on, but I just think that the world seems to be content that someone's going to be able to produce our way out of a tightness situation in other parts of the world. Talking with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. So let's go back to corn and soybeans. Are we focusing more, markets focusing more on supply, this crop that's uh, growing, or on the demand side and who's buying or who isn't? You know, I think a couple of things are the focus right now. I think most people feel like this debt ceiling agreement is going to be reached. You know, on Friday, we were rallying sharply. It looked like we were going to try to at least uh, go into the weekend. We weren't going to wipe away the losses from the week last Friday, but we were certainly going to make people feel a little bit better and, and you know, try to get some back, some of those losses back. Uh, and then you turn around and they say that uh, part of the reason the market turned around on Friday is that, uh, you know, uh, Republicans walked out of the debt ceiling agreement meetings. And so, you know, I think that uh, some of those factors certainly are on the traders' minds. Uh, as you come in here this morning, I think there was a lot of talk over the weekend about dry conditions and a very dry forecast. And so, you know, obviously, you talk about, hey, we're going into El Nino. There's partic- uh, there, there are other instances whenever you're going into an El Nino or in an El Nino, uh, like 2012, for instance, where, you know, you didn't necessarily have a trend line or better yield. And so uh, I don't think that we're in a 2012 pattern, uh, personally. I think that uh, it's a different year. Uh, but at the same time, if the trade thinks that that is a potential situation, uh, then all this talk about a massive carryout is going to get you back into a wary, uh, you know, a bear, if you will. I think some of the people that are super, super bearish this market are just a little hesitant to to do so just yet, you know, because it's a little bit early in the growing season to, to take that stance. Yeah, because a lot of times we see markets, uh, traders tend to, believe it's going to be a big crop until they're absolutely proven that it's not going to be. Right. You know, and the other thing, Mike, you've seen this in your career. I mean, typically this is when funds are building a long position. You know, uh, you're heading into the growing season and they want to have a little bit of a long bias just in case you end up getting into a crop situation as far as production, maybe uh, losses. And so uh, this year, I mean, they've been building a short position. I've got to think Wednesday through Friday last week, they sold a massive amount of contracts. I think this week's commitment to traders report will be very interesting. Obviously, it looks like they're coming in and buying this morning. And they, who knows, that might be a trend that, you know, that we see continue. But overall, uh, I've got to think that it's a little early in the year to think that this crop, you know, is not going to be there. Safe travels to you. Good to talk with you again, Matt. Take care. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. You have a great one. Good talking to you. You too. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We'll see what the week holds uh, for the markets. All right. 
Mike Pearson back with you tomorrow. I'll be back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Mike Adams. Have a great day, everyone. This is AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform. On the internet, there are tons of special networking websites, but one stands apart. This one saves lives. It's MatchingDonors.com. MatchingDonors.com links organ donors with people in need of kidney and other transplants. Did you know in the U.S., 19 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant? If you've ever considered becoming a living organ donor, or if you're someone in need of an organ transplant, please visit MatchingDonors.com. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.